I've always had imposter syndrome or I've, I've, I'm modesty or I really, I'm not very good at being like, yes, this is everything that I've done. Hello and welcome to Here in LA, Los Feliz edition. Today we talk with Lauren Randolph, better known as Lauren Lemon, to her 200,000 fans on Instagram. This delightful Lauren is a professional photographer whose work has appeared in magazines, ads, and billboards. She and I met when she was asked to shoot the Academy Awards for the Oscars. In her visit, she had a ringside seat to the famous envelope gate where she just snapped the mayhem from a mere feet away. She was super close. Because Lauren has been a resident of Los Feliz for a while, she even clues me in on what she considers the best burger in town from a very unlikely joint. So smile pretty for the birdie as we chat with this Los Feliz superstar. I am here with Lauren Randolph, otherwise known as Lauren Lemon. Lauren Lemon on the internet. And I am in your incredibly colorful, beautiful apartment. <laughs> And we're at the kitchen table, which looks like a lemon. It's it's my lemon table. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is my office. So. Is this really your office? Yeah, I mean, I work from home, so this is what I call my office. You are a famous photographer. Uh, yes, okay. <laughs> you are. Do you have a Do you have a blue check mark next to your socials? I do. That means you're famous. Okay, great. And um, we're in Los Feliz. We are in Los Feliz. How long have you lived in Los Feliz? Um, This is my, it's 10 years this year, actually, in the same apartment, so. And this is a great apartment. You are close to public transit. Very close. You could walk to Griffith Park. Mm -hmm. Do you ever walk to the Greek? I, yeah, if I drove to the Greek from here, come on. Like it's, I love shows at the Greek because I can just trek up the hill. Going up is hard. Going down is great. Like, yeah, I regret my decision on the way up, but on the way down, I'm like, I am so glad I walked. She's wearing a Dodgers, uh, t-shirt, yeah. Jersey t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Are you a Dodger fan? I am now after being in LA for 10 years, 12 years. So. That's all it takes. Yeah. You grew up in Nevada. I grew up in Reno. Nice. Uh, northern northern Nevada um, not a Vegas person bless Vegas but you know we have our own it's like San Francisco and, and LA like there's a little rivalry there's a little rivalry um, which is why being from Reno I kind of grew up I didn't really watch baseball my dad wasn't a sports guy or whatever but the Giants were basically the team um, yeah so I have some love for the Giants so this series that they're playing right now postseason Giants versus Dodgers pretty huge I I consider it the World Series. I agree, actually. Honestly. Who cares about these other teams? Same. Well, I got to say, looking at your apartment and how colorful it is and how beautiful it is. Oh, look at the, you got the Beastie Boys book over there. You have you have such. I mean, this kind of looks like your Instagram feed a little bit in that it's really really colorful. Have you always been attracted to bright colors? Yeah, I. I mean, I I went to school um, for journalism because I've always been really into magazines. Like growing up, I would just read, you know, Entertainment Weekly, um, all the teeny bopper magazines and literally like like love the photos. Like I remember like Rolling Stone would always have incredible photography. 
Um, and it didn't at first, I was also just obsessed with pop culture. So it, it didn't at first strike me as like, oh, this is the photography I'm att attracted to. It was like, oh, you're into the culture and, and, and music and things like that. Um, but then once I started taking photos and kind of started being creative with it, yeah, my photography has always been very colorful. Um, I always was the person that, you know, kept their crayon box organized by color and <laughs> took pride in that. So I used to have like 10 magazine subscriptions cause I was the same way. Same. Yeah. I, I love the, I mean, obviously the words are fine, but the pick I would, I mean, there's no blanks. Wall space because I would have, you know, even the ads. Yeah, for sure. Like like Vogue would have like the greatest ads. Or back in the day, I used to collect the Got Milk ads because they would always have you know the the new hottest celebrity. I think like I also as a teenager would just like line my my room, like wallpaper it with posters and everything. Um, and I think I had a section, a Got Milk section. So what made you choose L.A.? Um, I, my sister was here. I think that was the, the easiest answer. I, I always thought that I would live in San Francisco. Growing up in Reno, like that was the big city we would go to. And I remember walking around. And this is so funny, but in my, in my mind, I had a vision of me walking around with like a briefcase, like as a businesswoman. <laughs> I don't know what career I thought I was going to be, but I was like, when I grow up, I'm going to live in the city. Um, that didn't happen. Have you ever had a briefcase? I have my dad's old briefcase that I store like paper, you know, like stuff in, but I've never used one. I should. That'd be fun. I've had a couple. It, it just makes me feel like a sellout. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel like I'm not doing the thing I want to do. Yeah. Well, and I, I have, as a photographer, I carry like 10 t times the amount of stuff for a, a briefcase. So now I've got a car full of gear instead of a, a briefcase full of papers. It's fine. That's so great that, that you're that you're that close with your sister. Is she older? She's younger. Yeah. So she she graduated high school and then moved right away. She was L.A. bound right from the get go where I was still finishing up school and took me a little bit longer to get through college. I was on the like six year plan. Same. Um, at a great time. All that, you know, socializing and everything. So then when I, I moved, she was already down here um, pursuing acting, going to school down here. And then I just joined her and we lived together in West Hollywood for two years before moving to Los Feliz. Um, and I've been here since. So I would think that you would have loved West Hollywood. Yeah, it seemed like a good fit for us. And she had lived in L.A. So she kind of knew the neighborhood a little bit and she had friends that lived over there. Um, but it was just, and we lived in a great neighborhood, like right off Santa Monica, kind of like east of La Brea area, right near Plummer Park. Um, great area, but it just wasn't like my vibe. And after living in LA for a couple of years, I very much knew I was like, needed to go a little more east. Um, Los Feliz, Silver Lake, Echo Park, obviously. Um, I'm a real hipster, so I, I was like drawn to those parts, but I always said like, like Los Feliz is the dream neighborhood, but I, I probably couldn't afford it. And then when we were starting to look, um, this place was at the very high end of what we could afford, um, but we instantly went for it. And then they didn't raise our rent for years, and then they just raised it very small amounts since. So now it's at the very low end um, for the neighborhood. and. 
Well, I, I could see why they wanted uh, big money for this. You've got two big bath or two big bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Do you have two baths too? Uh, like one and a half. And really high ceilings in the living room, and a cool kitchen. Did that spice rack come with the... No, we installed everything. You did a great job Everything's with the spice out, rack. Everything's outdated, but the layout and the high ceilings and the location. Why was Los Feliz your dream neighborhood? Um, it's, it's so walkable. It's really charming. You know, even before I lived here, I remember going to eat at um, Alcove, outdoor seating, and just being like, oh, this is so L.A. to be able to eat outside in January. And I would take my mom here, and it was super cute. Um, and yeah, honestly, like, it's just the walkability for me. I, I use my car when I have to go to work and like run errands, but for the most part, it stays parked. I have a parking spot, thankfully, Um, but I walk everywhere. I walk to the grocery store, I walk to bars, I walk to coffee every day. I walk all up to um, Griffith and what I call the rich neighborhoods. That is very rich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let me think what bar would be your bar. Are you, um, well, were you like me, the the good luck bar? Loved good luck, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Akbar. Um, I guess. I guess. Do you I, dance at Akbar? Yeah. It, it's just the vibe in there is just so welcoming. For sure, I have so many friends um, that it's just a great community, and it's a real like neighborhood bar too. Um, it's pretty legendary in in the queer community, but it it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like like a West Hollywood club or, you know, like a, oh, we got to go out. It's just kind of the like, yeah, just like a good neighborhood spot. I kind of wish there was more places like that because even for straight people, mm-hmm. um, it's when I lived in San Francisco, there were fully, fully gay bars mm-hmm. and fully, fully like frat boy straight ones. And then there was a bunch in between. Mm-hmm. And even though Akbar is far more on the gay side, mm-hmm. I feel like if you are just an open-minded straight man, I don't think women have the issue. Um, it's welcoming. It is welcoming. And I, I'm I'm on the the cusp of the queer community, so I you know, it's very easy for me to just fit right in. Um, but but it's also, yeah, like I said, it's just good vibes. Like they're, they're summertime programming where they have these bears in space um, dance parties. They're daytime parties. They're raves. But the, the energy is wonderful. It's super welcoming. They've got performances, drag shows. Um, also, I just love like, day, like outdoor daytime parties. Um, so if any excuse to go rave in the sunshine, I'm, I'm there. Do you ever go down the street to El Cid? No, I'm not. I'm not an El Cid person. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it, they're it so is. close to each other. Forty-one hundred, though. I'm there. That's yes. that's a spot too. Yes. Have you seen that the five dollar man has his his tent is the curtains from the forty-one hundred? I have not seen that. Yeah. Like like they the ones they took down. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, He's, I know they just did a whole looks totally different in there. Which is crazy to me. It looks great. It was a little too like drapey, bohemian. You think so? Like well, I don't I don't know what they were going for before, but like Casablanca or yeah. something.
you come to LA. Did you work at Outback right away in LA? Oh no, Outback was like high school, college. Um, you became a photographer right away? Yeah, so I was, I worked at the Outback and then I started working at this little deli in Reno called Newman's, real like classic deli. And that was my like college job while I was working my way through. And then my first job as a photographer was for the um, local arts and entertainment, the Reno News and Review, which is like Reno's version of like the LA Weekly or, or the old LA Weekly, what it was. Um, and I kind of fell into it because my dad was getting interviewed for these like art bikes that he made. And the, the guy showed up to do the interview without a photographer. And I was like, oh, let me, I'll shoot the photo. And I lit it and made it look super editorial and awesome. And then the editor reached out and was like, hi, we have a position for a photographer. Would you like this job? Um, what? And I was like, no, I'm saving money to move to L.A. <laughs> And the editor of this magazine, bless him, literally like looked me in the face because I went in, you know, for the meeting and he was like, so you want to move to L.A. to be a photographer? I'm offering you a job as a photographer. Wouldn't it be better to move with a resume? And I kind of like the wheels clicked and I was like, oh, yes, I will quit my deli job and work as the photographer for this paper. Um, and it was a great experience, obviously, like got to shoot a bunch had assignments, had to turn them in on time. Every week, new new faces, new things. Um, and it was also a really cool job to work finishing up school because I just really got to be like a real who's who around town. Like I got to know a bunch of people. And um, I also shot photos for nightlife in Reno. Um, not like clubs, but like bars and the, the beer crawls and things like that. So my last year in, in Reno, I was very tapped into just like the social scene um and also photography and so then when i moved i had already been a working photographer um and started kind of looking for jobs down here at like agencies and i don't know like i didn't think that i could be a photographer right away so i was trying to find like a part-time job um and it was actually my sister was like if you spent all the time that you're spending looking for a, like an office job on just like trying to do photography, like maybe you'd be a photographer. And I basically just kind of kept doing that and jobs started following my lap. I, I assisted some photographers. I would do um, retouching and you know, anything I could kind of get my hands on. And What year was this? I moved in 2009. When did you know that you could do this? Because it sounds like you just jumped from college to... I, I, I mean, in school, I was doing photography, and I think I got into it because, um, you know, I got my first digital camera and just started shooting everything, like constantly photographing my friends, photographing every, like, Friday and Saturday night where we'd be drinking whiskey night shots all night long. Like, it was, it was like an impulse. Like, I just couldn't hang out without shooting photos. And I had like a little blog where I'd put all my photos up online and my friends would also then go take them. Um, Which, what camera was this? Um, I had like a little, I guess like a Sony point and shoot or something like that. And then I eventually got a Canon um, Rebel. Yeah, a real um, camera. A real camera and that, you know, with the detachable lenses. And that's when I kind of started like leveling up. And that's when I, I used that camera for these first jobs in Reno. 
And then it was in 2009 that I got like a Canon 5D, which was my first like professional camera. Um, Could you tell the difference between the 5D and the Rebel? Oh yeah, instantly. And and that was about the time where I like needed to, you know, like my eye was good enough that I could tell the difference. Um, just even be able to, being able to shoot in low light and and not, you know, needing flash or whatever, that was a big game changer for me. How early on did you get into Instagram? I joined Instagram the day it launched. What? Um, in which I think it just they just had their anniversary. It was like October something. How did you know that it was launching? Um, back then there was this like group. I guess it was a website, kind of a blog, a real like photo nerd thing called Photo Jojo, and they did a lot of um, toy cameras, film cameras, um, real like photography cult kind of. Um, network basically and I think just within that scene I just kind of knew it was like oh join this new photography app didn't think much of it um, joined day one along with some other you know photographers that I know um, you know I was kind of tapped into the this like photography scene through Flickr um, I think there was a really good scene there before Instagram and honestly a lot of the like what I say, like early Instagram scene evolved from that, like Flickr community. Um, and, and then through that, I also then kind of started just gaining followers rapidly in those early days. It was a lot different then than it is now, you know, like the, the influencer thing hadn't started and I, don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but I think I was right on the cusp of when that all started happening on accident. Like I never went out being like, I'm going to be an influencer. Um, but that's just how things kind of evolved, especially in 2010 when, you know, the Instagram world was just so much smaller and everyone was just exploring. Like it felt very fun and, and not very serious. And, you know, you would post like five photos a day because it, it, it was it was just like a stupid little app. It wasn't Facebook and it wasn't MySpace or, yeah. Um, yeah, it just felt it just felt very quick and easy. And you shot in the Instagram app, so it was like, oh, here's here's my lunch and here's my shoes and here's a car on the street. Um, Did you use the filters in the frames? I I think at the beginning you couldn't not. <laughs> Yeah, like there was no way to turn them off. Um, my first Instagram photo, literally from my bed, shooting my desk across the room, just kind of being like, what is this app? Let's see. Like I'd, I had very little thought about it, um, which I love that now that's my first Instagram photo. I know a lot of people have gone and like archived old stuff or deleted. I never cleaned up my feed. If you want to scroll through like 4,000 photos, they're all there from from the early days. Well, who was your first uh, brand deal? Do you remember? Yeah, um, randomly, so Progressive Insurance reached out, <laughs> and this was in the early Instagram days when they, it was all iPhone only, or maybe, you know, people, that was a big deal. And so I was very good at shooting with the iPhone. I was comfortable using it, um, knew how to, use it to my advantage um and they wanted me to shoot photographs of Flo who's the like progressive woman um and like two days before that job signed I had signed the contract I was about to get paid more than I had like ever made in a job ever basically 
was going to be able to pay my rent for months with this like progressive job. Um, Instagram sent out an email to um, people that they had that was suggested users list back then, which I was on, which is how I got so many followers. And they were like, hi, we see that um, a lot of you are starting to get sponsorship deals and, and post advertisements or whatever. Um, that's not what we stand. This is how things have changed. Right. That's not what we stand for. That's not what our community is. So if we see you doing that, you're going to get removed from the suggested users list. And I was like, okay, bye. Like, I'm not going to turn down this job and, right. and what's done is done. Um, do you remember how many followers you had at the time? Um, Cause you have 200,000 now. Yeah. I, probably around there because I kept oh, growing, really? but then I've also lost a bunch um, over time. And I think- So you had you had 200,000, you're close to it. So you're like, so I was fine. fine. Yeah, maybe like a hundred, definitely fine. Like I was not gonna be hurting any if they removed me, but it's just so funny that now, like monetizing Instagram is basically what they're banking on that's what the right. that's what the network or the platform wants you to do and they've got all these creator tools and things to add and it was just not like that then um were, were, was this a hard decision to make no like i said i got this email and i was already ready to do this progressive job and and honestly like getting taken off the suggested users list was fine it didn't hurt me in any way i kept moving forward and shooting the photos i was doing and and then after that better brands that you know more aligned with what i wanted to shoot kind of reaching reached out like the, the progressive thing like i may not have done that a few years after that but at the time i was like okay you want me to shoot iphone photos of flow for how much money yeah great i'll be there um is there is there something that you do differently on that shoot with an iphone than i would like do you have a rig do you have you probably have lighting um it was a, it was already a commercial shoot so that they had lighting already. Um, no, I mean, I guess the thing is with iPhones, just like being able to lock the exposure. I don't know if you do that, but, no. but like if you want to, you know, shoot that window and you press and hold and kind of lock the exposure, then you can lower it or brighten it and little things like that, I think is just like, I never futz with that. Yeah, I should. You should. It's okay. like, especially on like a bright sunny day, sometimes you'll shoot something and it'll want to compensate for the dark part. So it'll blow everything out, yeah. but having some nice contrasty shadows. So if you lock the exposure and then bring the exposure down, you can get, you know, keep those shadows really dark and, and things like that. So. the best oscars i know <laughs> we were at an insane oscars we lost by the way but you know, you know. Guys, guys, i'm sorry no there's a, this, there's a mistake moonlight you guys won best picture moonlight won. Come on, this is not a joke Come this is not a joke i'm afraid they read the wrong thing this is not a joke moonlight has won best picture moonlight best picture For, for the people who don't know, uh -huh. we were at the Envelope Gate one together. <laughs> Do you remember what year that was? 
Um, was it 2016? Was it 2017? I think it was 20. So I photographed two years of the Oscars. I photographed 2015, skipped 2016. So I think that was 2017. Okay. Um, I, I believe so. That was the, yeah, where they, they announced La La Land, but then um, Moonlight was really the best picture. So. And from what I remember, please uh, refresh my memory. I think we were standing next to each other. When that I, happened. I believe that was right. I was back backstage right on the wing. Um, and they announced Best Picture. La La Land is on stage. And I'm sitting there with my camera getting ready for them to all walk back so I can shoot them coming off, you know, the stage as winners. And I hear to the right of me, which is like maybe five feet away, someone goes, they said the wrong picture. Or they said the wrong movie or something like that. And then like quickly a bunch of whispers and I think maybe we looked at each other like something's going on and funny enough in my mind I was like well they can't do anything about it like I was like that's it you know like I don't know what this is going down but like the show's on so <laughs> and turns turns out they could do something about it they did they interrupted and brought on the wrong great movie but there was like a few moments before it even turned you know over to the stage where everyone was like and I was like what is happening like it was it was wild I also wish I could scroll back I think I, I had my phone on me um obviously as well and I think I just texted texted my sister or something like that Shoot, they were watching and I was just like I was like something happened you know, like you know like I didn't even know but I was witnessing chaos backstage basically so which Never happens at the Oscars. No. That thing is just so perfectly produced. Mm -hmm. Tons of people. Tons of people. Tons of photographers. It is a well-oiled machine with a lot of moving parts. And the two years I was there, um, I also got to witness how many people come back and do it every year. It is the same roof of people who have done this year after year after year. Stage people and, and backstage people. And not only, you know, like obviously the the famous actors come back every year, but just the people who make that show happen, it is a community. And I was very thankful to kind of get a glimpse into that for a couple years. Me um, too, totally. Including the photographers, you know, and, and the people who shoot it are the same people from LA Times who always come and the same people from this. And so um, to get the opportunity to be there and be a part of it was just special. And I think it's so smart that they bring back all the same people because when something like that happens, to, to me, one of the miracles of that was not only did it get rectified very quickly, mm -hmm. but it all happened on live TV. Mm -hmm. it, and it didn't take that much time to figure out that that crazy dude screwed up, what the, the real result was, how to prove the real result, mm -hmm. how to announce the correct winners. Also, they, even they, they understood what went wrong. You know, like like how it wasn't even like what happened. It was like, oh, they had the envelope from the last the last announcement, the last award or whatever. Like it was it was crazy. Um, well, it was it was further back. He, I think what happened was he had a crush on Emma Smith or Emma Stone, uh, Emma Stone and wanted her maybe to autograph. Oh, the, my gosh. The, because they have two. Uh -huh. They have two. For those of you who don't know, there's two briefcases with two sets of envelopes, depending on which side, 
the winner is going to come in or the Which presenter? side of the stage the presenter exits from. So stage right or stage left. They have two sets of envelopes and those are like, those are the winners. That's how, you know, those, it's not like there's a list going around. It's not like people all know. Nobody knows. Um, so. And so this guy pocketed uh, best actress in a leading role and had that in his pocket. And at the end of the show, he had two envelopes. One was truly for best picture and one was for Emma Man. who had already won. And I guess he handed that over to Warren Beatty and um, Faye Dunaway. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the other thing that was kind of interesting to me about that scene was you couldn't have two more veteran actors. Oh, for sure. And yet they see that this is the wrong envelope and they didn't call for a timeout. Well, they, like they, you said, it's a well-oiled machine. These two veteran actors aren't up there being like, there's a mistake. There's no mistakes in, in the Academy Awards. You know, like that's, it's, it's not like that. famous people that you're that you are just so excited follow you on Instagram um I in the very early Instagram days Jamie Oliver was one of the first people to follow me the the chef I um, love him the naked chef naked chef and and this was also early Instagram days and he was very active like he engaged and would comment um and I remember at the time, you know, this is literally like 2011, 2012, people being like, is that Jamie Oliver <laughs> leaving comments on your Instagram? Because um, they didn't have blue check marks back no, then. No, and it was very much, and that's why people liked Instagram. It was it was just accessible. Everyone just had it or not or whatever. Yeah. Um, and since then, I don't think some of my favorites have kind of followed me. I'm a big Tycho fan. Um electronic dream wave music mm -hmm. um he's he's a follower i i nice. i and i also like i geek out like it's not like this is <laughs> it's not like i'm like oh no big deal like i'm like oh my god um the other one that i i mean because i worked for them but the academy follows me of course and i always really liked when the academy would like my photos because i just felt like being like i'd like to thank the academy <laughs> For liking my Instagram post. I know it was probably just you running this social media account. What do you mean just? <laughs> but, but. You have great pictures. Thanks. You've got great pictures. So those are, those are the cool ones, I guess. Maybe yeah. there's more, but I haven't, um, I don't go through my followers often or something, so. You also do something uh, interesting on Instagram that I don't see a lot of people do. You have decided not to have the like count or the comment count visible i started hiding they made it a feature so you can hide the likes on your own photos and i was doing that for a while um and now i actually said it you can set it so you can hide them on all of instagram so when i scroll instagram on my own i don't see anyone's likes anymore um honestly it's because over my decade-long journey with instagram i have gone from oh, I'm just posting to 50 people that I literally know to now I have hundreds of thousands of followers and get thousands of likes on all my images to kind of like back to like, okay, I'll get like a hundred, a couple hundred here and there. But 
my engagement just isn't what it used to be. I'm not actively trying to be an influencer. I'm not, I basically never was the influencer where you like talk to the camera and do unboxings. That was never my gist. I was like, I can shoot cool photos of the things I do or for your brand or to travel, but I'm not going to like, I'm not, I'm not the brand basically. Um, and so I just, I got to the point where it's like, I can't compare my engagement now to what it was in 2012. So I just don't need to look at it and no one needs to see it and it doesn't matter. And, and the jobs I'm getting now, they don't care what my engagement is. Um, I'll tell you, um, as somebody who ran the Academy account, it is heartbreaking to see how little engagement my personal account gets <laughs> on stuff that I think are incredible. Mm. And it's not that I put mediocre stuff on the Academy, but often I would know, mm -hmm. okay, this obscure person who was born on this day, it's a black and white picture. I'm obviously doing this just to educate people. We still would get 4,000 likes in like the first five oh, minutes. Easily, yeah. Just because it's the Academy. And, um, and now, I mean, it's so stupid that I compare my mm -hmm. own personal pictures to that or any of the companies I've worked with. But I think it's hard not to. It's hard not to, exactly. And so I admire you for getting rid of that one psychological hurdle that I think we all have, which is what is the number? Mm -hmm. Who cares about the Who number? Who cares? And that's one thing that I've really tried to stay true to myself when I was saying like I, 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 I shoot photos of the people I know and I shoot portraits and maybe portraits, you know, don't do as well on Instagram as epic landscape shots. But I've always just been like, this is my feed. I'm going to shoot what I like. And that is one thing that I, I feel like I do have a pretty good grasp on for myself is like, I'm the photographer that I want to be and I want to show what I want to show. And it's not necessarily, especially like I, I studied fine art, you know, and, and Instagram and social media wasn't a thing until like this decade, basically. So I don't want to like, like be an Instagram photographer. I want to just be a photographer who shares to Instagram. Uh, and I think that, you know, coming from a fine art background helps me just kind of like stay true to like what I want to shoot and what I want to do. Um, even with all the pressure of likes and engagement and this and that, like you can't not look at it or pay attention, but it's a choice to be like, it doesn't matter. And it, yeah. it doesn't. So your pictures are so beautiful. Thank you. Um, it makes me wonder about hair and makeup and wardrobe because even on your Instagram photos, and I don't know if these are just outtakes of movie shoots or I'm sorry, magazine shoots uh, or what, but people's hair look great. Their clothes look great. Um, when I click their name and I look at their pictures, I'm like, those aren't, those aren't models mm -mm, sometimes. Mm -mm. What you did, what witchcraft you did was phenomenal. And it doesn't, you don't like overdo whatever gimmicks there are. I, I wish I knew the terms in photography, but. I'm not a big retoucher or airbrusher or but whatever. I guess what I'm know. asking is, <laughs> do you provide hair and makeup? Do you do it yourself? Do you tell them, hey, you're going to have to get dolled up for this because. I'm gonna no I mean so if it's like a shoot for a job there there have been um, there have been shoots where I do have hair and makeup and wardrobe but honestly those are few and far between the majority of the projects I do um, I just shoot the talent as they are like I said I shoot I shoot real people I I 
take pride in, in making the everyday look good and the normal person look good and feel comfortable. Um, a lot of people aren't comfortable in front of the camera and a lot of people who I photograph don't normally uh, pose in front of the camera and I very much let them know like I don't shoot models I, that's not what I do I'm not calling the latest you know modeling agency and getting that hot 20 year old to work poses for me like I I actually do better with the, the everyday man kind of thing and do you have music playing <laughs> for as much as I love music I forget to turn music on on shoots all the time like should should a photographer have music on you can. It's a vibe. It's an energy, you know, that you're trying to get something out of them. A lot of times, though, I'm shooting on location or outside or out and about. And it's real just like on the fly stuff. So I don't have like a crew and a setup and a boom bot. You know, it's just kind of like like. Is it good to have a, you have an incredible bar here, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Incredibly stocked bar like this is Mad Men level. My uh, boyfriend is the manager, uh, the general manager at the Normandy Club. Where's that? It's in Koreatown. Um, so when you get to your Koreatown neighborhood, yeah, I'll learn about that. He's, he's got, I'm sure there's folks that he knows. He seems to collect flasks. I see about a half dozen flasks over here. We have way here. too many flasks. It was one of those things that, um, you know, people give you as a groomsman or, or, a <laughs> liquor, a lot of weddings. liquor, liquor companies give free swag, things like that. taken some of my favorite pictures of Los Feliz. One of them was there was a foggy morning or a foggy couple days maybe even and you took a picture of a liquor store mm -hmm. and it's almost magical to me because it's dark mm -hmm. but the the light parts are awesome. There was one night a couple years ago um, where it was so foggy and we don't get fog that often here. It's it's a rare thing. Because um, we're not near any water. We're not near any water. We're very landlocked in here, but up by the mountain too. Um, but I went out with my camera. I also love photographing at night. I love low light photography. I love finding light in, in the darkness. Um, you have to set up on a tripod. It's very patient kind oh, of work. Is that your secret? Yeah. When you're shooting at night, you're, you're not hand hold, holding it because you've got long exposures to be able to capture everything. Um, but I love the process of photographing at night because it is slower and you're very much like standing there while your image is exposing and waiting. And then if it doesn't turn out, you got to wait another 30 seconds to see if the next, you know, that kind of thing. But that night with the fog, I went and ran around all over this neighborhood with, with my camera. And I, I shot some of my very favorite photos, um, that night of the liquor store. There's a shot even just right out here. Um, where the light was kind of shining through trees and it just real like suburban LA night scene. Um, and, and that's one good thing about this neighborhood too, is that at night, everybody's off the streets. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like there's a ton of people in the streets anyways. I mean, you have, you have a cute little yard sale going on mm -hmm. right here. And, and maybe when the Greek lets out, there's some traffic, mm -hmm. but it's, it is very suburban, isn't it? It's, and that's why I love this neighborhood. Is like unlike places like Koreatown or downtown, where you feel like you're in a city. You walk out from your, you know, sixth floor apartment building onto the street, and it's it's more of like a 
San Francisco or New York vibe or something like that. But this neighborhood, people have yards. There's, there's apartment buildings mixed in with homes and, and driveways. And it's a really good combination of city, but, but suburban. Um, and, and, you know, like there's, I wouldn't want to live in just the real, you know, downtown vibe. I do love being able to walk and, and people having grass and yards. And um, yeah. one of the things that I know you've commented on is every year I photograph all the abandoned Christmas trees. You are reading my mind. Laying everywhere. <laughs> and I love, so first of all, it's, it's like end of December, January. Everyone's just <laughs> dumping their Christmas trees out. But this neighborhood is so walkable. I make it like my life's mission to cover every single street all up and down Los Feliz. Like I, if you were to watch my, you know, walking path, I zigzag and make sure no street goes un unwalked, just looking for Christmas trees. Um, and, and because we live in the neighborhood we do, that's why they're out there is because it's not like we're downtown or, you know, people are taking their trash out on trash day and leaving their Christmas trees for the, you know, the um, recyclers to come pick up or whatever. But 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 you took it a step further because, yes, it is true. I mean, I guess most neighborhoods have Christmas trees that are mm -hmm. out. Los Feliz seems to have way more. Yeah. Maybe there's way more Christians. I don't know. I don't know. But you took it a step further and you're like, why are you wrapping this in plastic? Well, and then now that I, because where I grew up, you weren't, we didn't leave our trees on the street. This is like, I think a city thing. You took your tree to like a, a lot, you know, they'd be like, okay, Christmas is over. These church parking lots are taking the trees or you can go dump it here, that kind of thing. So just seeing all these abandoned Christmas trees all over the streets when I moved here was a really weird thing to see. And it's also hilarious to me that people spend all month long, like admiring their perfect tree that they've decorated and they've picked out only to as soon as the holiday's done, literally leave it in the gutter. Um, and now that I photograph it so much and I post these to my Instagram stories I have for years, um, people comment from all over the places of the world, be like, is this allowed? How are they leaving their trees? So I've read a lot of the guidelines in this and, and they, don't, they won't take trees if they're wrapped in plastic because they oh. just get mulched up. Um, they won't take trees if your stand is still attached to them. They won't take trees that are still decorated. They won't take trees that are flocked, you know, with the like paint or whatever they spray. Um, so if you want your tree properly recycled, it just needs to be a bare tree and they'll take it. And I've watched the trash guys come and pick it up and they literally have like on the trucks that they're picking out, they break them all down and crunch them all up. Um, and it just turns into like tree mulch basically. But when you wrap your tree in plastic, that's just literally going to the dump, just like anything wow. else you wrap in plastic. Um, if you don't remove your Christmas tree stand, it's just going to the dump. So just don't, don't wrap your, your thing that comes from the earth in plastic. It doesn't need to happen. <laughs> take a lot of food pictures I I don't I used to this is early Instagram days I would shoot my my food my sister I think came up with a little hashtag called hungry lover which was what we would sh post our food for but um no and I, I'll sometimes post the things I cook at home and post them to my stories but I'm not a real food 
once again, these niches, you know, like I, I'm not a food photographer. I'm not a concert photographer. So what restaurants do you like to eat at in Los Feliz? Um, I have tried all of them. Um, <laughs> obviously before I lived in this neighborhood, Alcove and Little Dom's were like the go-to's. Um, now I'm such a, a grumpy Los Feliz local. I'm like, I don't want to deal with the crowds. Can't be bothered. Um, which both of those have crowds depending on when you want to go. Yeah. Little Dom's. What do you eat at Little Dom's? Um, the blueberry ricotta pancakes are absolutely to die for best pancakes in town. I will say, and I will like die on that hill. Um, I don't go to Alcove too much. It's a little overpriced. The food isn't great. One thing that I think is funny, I've lived in this neighborhood, in this apartment for 10 years, and right over here is Yucca's taco stand. And I had been a couple times, gotten the tacos, gotten the burritos, wasn't like thrilled. It was fine. It wasn't until recently, um, there's a whole burger renaissance happening in LA, burger pop-ups, that one of the burger pop-ups I love posted that they've got a good cheeseburger. And I was like, okay, I'll go check it out. That Yucca's has a good cheeseburger. Yucca's has a good cheeseburger. And I didn't want to be the white person going to the like classic taco stand and ordering a cheeseburger. But now that I know about this and now that I've been a regular because it's a great cheeseburger and it's $5. Um, hot tip. I'm in. Now when I go, I stand in line and wait for my food and hear, people are constantly ordering cheeseburgers. It is like one of their most popular menu items. This podcast is worth it for this right here. 100%. The, the Yucca's cheeseburger, you're hearing it right here. Best $5 deal. They're not too big. It's a good little smash burger. It's, I say this in a good thing. It's got like McDonald's cheeseburger vibes, you know what I mean? But better. So 10 out of 10 would recommend. Because I felt the same way about the tacos. Yeah. It's and just I, not my kind of taco. Right. It's, it's a specific type. And And... It's like a nice old lady that works there. It's a family. She's been running it forever. I think it's been there for like 20, 25 years. Like so I, I tried it and I was like, is there something wrong with me? No, it's, it's... I needed to order the burger. Yeah. Now you know. Cheeseburger. Um, I think they do a double too, but I like just the single little... I'll honestly, like, if I've been working all day and had too much coffee and haven't really eaten, I'll be like, I'm just going to go get that cheeseburger. And I'll walk over there stand in that parking lot, get my little cheeseburger. Oftentimes eat it just like on the street somewhere, not even wait to take it anywhere. Um, but that's, that's something I can't believe it took me 10 years to figure out. We're going to end it with this. Is the Los Feliz post office the best post office in LA? Yes. And that's why I have my PO box there. And I said, even if I don't live in Los Feliz, I will come to this neighborhood, easily park, get right in and leave. So I, I have my post office secured. That's what I use as my like business address. Um, and that's my post office, regardless of where I am in LA. And it's great because it's open late, relatively late. Relatively late. It's open on Saturdays until like what, three o'clock? Uh, yeah, three or four or something. There's always parking somehow. It is, mm -hmm. it is weird. Mm -hmm. I mean, Christmas, it gets a little, mm -hmm. a little hard, but, um, but also the people are great who work there. I mean, the people are right in this whole neighborhood. That's the thing. That's I walked true. I walked down the streets, and this is the neighborhood where people say hi to you when you walk around. Like, um, people people make eye contact and do the, like, nod and smile, or they say hi. And, and I very much feel that, like, this is a neighborhood. Like, I, I know a lot of my neighbors in this building, but also just, like, in my wider circumference. Um, 
the the coffee shops around here they know they recognize you as a customer um i know all the local dogs in the neighborhood it's and that's why and you know granted that comes with living somewhere for a decade but i would struggle moving and not having that like accessibility on foot that creates this like community that i love this neighborhood for so lauren lemon tony Lauren Lemon. Mm -hmm. I I keep wanting to call you Laurel. Do people call you Laurel? No, but like I said, my name just kind of blurs into the the other things. Lauren Lemon, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Of course. Happy to. Friendliest guy I know. Ah. (laughs) Wasn't she great? You know who else is a fancy photographer who finds the perfect light and just makes you just glimmer with internal joy and... Our Patreons, who are with us every day in our hearts. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, here's a little trip down to memory lane. Here's an extra spring roll in your bag of Jamba Juice. Here's a Snoop Dogg CD. Every buck you hand over helps us keep this insane project rolling. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Allie Miller, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, George Wright, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Grinke, Ben Welch, and Henry Furman. Want to hear your name at the end of next week's show? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you have to do is PayPal us 25 bucks or more, and we will list you in the Here in LA website forever. You'll also be given a number to denote how early you got in. Angelino number one is Allie Miller. Number two, George Wright. Number three, Rita Joanne. Number four, Jason Sutter. Number five, Grant Houghton. And number six is Rob Baker. Just PayPal us your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us, but you're broke? No problem. Post your favorite episode on your Facebook wall. Tweet your favorite episode. Or just say something nice. Tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Tell them that Here in LA LA is spelled with an A. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google and Lord knows what. Here in LA is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and... The Polaroid, picture taken, shake it till you break it, Mr. Green Thumb, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen Adams for inspiring me, and Ford for hiring Lauren to snap pics at the big show. Follow Bye. Bye.